welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. We're continuing our series, Is There an App for That? And I want all of us at this campus to welcome our other campuses that are watching on video. Come on. (laughs) Welcome them like you love them. Come on. All right. It's good. It's good. It's good. Thanks for being a part of the church. One church, multiple locations. And we're looking at, is there an app for that? And uh, I have an iPhone. I love my iPhone. Uh, I, I like all the technology with it. I like the apps. How many know that's the thing that makes an iPhone good? I mean, otherwise, it's really not that good as a phone, you know, but it's good with all the apps and all the things that are there. And, uh, you know, you find an app for a level. I have a compass. I have all these things. I have a QR reader, which if you don't know in our series, we're doing the QR readers where you can zap your uh, smartphone or your iPhone and have an extended teaching from the weekend. So it's a great uh, resource for you. I love all these things that come uh, with the iPhone, all these apps, but there are no apps for prayer worship or spiritual growth. There really aren't. There are no apps that you can zap and just say, let's take care of worship, let's do it. But that's where we come into play here today. We are looking at the different apps and the different things, prayer, worship, and spiritual growth. And today we're looking at worship. All right, now this is a basic series. I'll be very straightforward. Basic series, we're looking at prayer, we're looking at worship, we're looking at spiritual growth. Why? Because the church has been growing so fast. At all of our campuses, the church has been growing so fast. There have been so many more people that have been added to our church. And I want to make sure that as we move forward as a church, we're hitting some of these basic things. That it's time for us to make sure that we're praying. It's time to make sure that we're living a life of worship. And it's also to make, uh, time to make sure that we're growing spiritually. And so we're looking at worship today. And when I'm talking about worship, I understand that our life of worship is, is bigger than just the singing that we do. But when I'm talking about praise and worship today in this service, I am talking about the praise and worship, the singing that we do, the 45% of the services that we have where we're actually singing and praising God, okay? So I know, again, I know that worship is the way we live our life, but when I'm using this in this series, I'm talking about the way we praise and worship the Lord. Now, I gotta say this, I am a praiser and a worshiper. I love to praise and worship God. You may not know this, but uh, I was actually a worship leader before I started this church. I was actually a praise and worship leader. Like, and you're like thinking, why don't you do that now? Because it's really distracting. People are like, I didn't know he's a worship leader. I didn't know he could play guitar. I, so I just thought, I'll just get rid of all the distractions and I'll just preach. Some of you want to hear me sing, don't you? No, you don't. All right, all right. 
but I was. But I'm a worshiper, and you know what? This is my biggest fear when I'm preaching on a weekend, because I do this four times on a weekend. My biggest fear is that I'm getting so into the praise and worship that I might lose my voice. And sometimes when I'm praising and worshiping the Lord, I'm getting into it, and I get to do it four times a weekend, which is amazing. I love to be able to praise the Lord. And I, I'm worshiping, and I'm getting so into it that I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my voice that sometimes, honest, true confession, sometimes I am lip-syncing, okay? Sometimes I'm pulling a little Milli Vanilli there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just lip-syncing away. And I'm just saving my voice. Now, we don't want you to lip sync because you're at one service. And we want you to enter in and to sing. But I'm a worshiper. And I don't understand people that aren't worshipers, that aren't praisers. I don't understand that where people say to me, like, well, we're late. We don't worry about getting there on time. Because, you know, after all, we're not that big into the praise and worship anyways. And so we don't even care if we get there late. I don't understand that. And you'll see why in this service today, why I'm just... I don't understand it because I want to be a worshiper. I want to be in God's presence. I see the benefit of lifting my praise and worship to God and, and, and putting him in the right place in my life. And I just don't think that it's, you know, I don't understand what people are like, I don't want to do that. And if that's you, I'm hoping that by the time this message is done, that you'll say, you know what, I want to be more of a worshiper. I want to be more of a praiser. I want to be involved. And with that, there are some people that maybe they're not, um, you know, just not that excited, but there are others that come in and they're kind of spectators in worship. How many know what I'm talking about? You just sit there and you're kind of like, I can't believe these people are doing this. (laughs) Usually it's on baby dedication weekend, which we're having today, and then I'm speaking about worship. You can always tell the families that are visiting with baby dedication, because during worship they're like this. We are getting out of here as soon as possible, you know. And if you're here and you're at one of our dedications, at one of our services, it's not by accident. It's not by accident. And I hope you felt the presence of God in worship, and I'd like to explain why we're doing what we're doing, okay? And I know I can remember the first time I was in a church that had very expressive praise and worship. I did the same thing. My mouth was wide open, and I did think, I got to get out of this church as fast as possible, especially because there was a guy behind me that was praising and worshiping the Lord and his hands up and he's kind of doing like this and he kept hitting me on the back of the head and I was like, man, we're, we're getting out of here. And then I got to my car and, you know, I can remember thinking, I felt something. I felt something. I felt something different. And there was something in me that was like, I just want to be a part of this. There's more to the worship than I've been doing and I want to be involved in this. And even though it kind of scared me a little. I was like, I want to do this. There's got to be something about it. And so I read up on worship and tried to figure out, were we doing it the right way? And I found out that it was okay. It said in the Bible we could clap our hands. It said we could shout. It said we could lift our hands. It said we could do all these different things that the church was doing that I hadn't been doing up until that time. And all of a sudden it became liberating. It became freeing. And I enjoyed praise and worship. So what are we doing in this part of our church service when we're praising and worshiping the Lord, okay? What are we doing in that moment? We're not just doing filler in our church service. We're not just saying we know some people come late, so we're singing, and we make sure to put the offering later on because they're coming late anyways. So we'll make sure we put that filler in first and do that. No, no, no. We're doing this because we're starting out the service by saying, God, you are worthy. You are worthy, and we want to show you how worthy you are in the way that we live our lives and the way that we're going to have this church service here, Lord. We are going to praise and worship you and you are worthy. 
And when you praise and worship God, uh, the word worship actually comes from the Saxon word that means worth-ship. What is something worth? And we're saying, God, in this moment of worship, we're saying you are worth everything. You are amazing. You are worthy. You are higher than anything else. And in this moment, when we start this service, before we ever do anything else, we want to worship you. We want to bring our praise. We want to bring our worship to you and say that you are important. You are worthy. And we're raising him to a higher level than anything else in our life. And there's this intense love and admiration that's happening when we're saying, you are worthy. Another thing that's happening is we are getting closer to God. There's an intimacy component that when we're here in the presence of God and we're praising and we're worshiping, we're getting closer to God and we're having this intimacy that's happening during the worship and we're getting close to God. And some people are uncomfortable with that. Maybe that's why some people, they don't like that worship thing. You're uncomfortable with intimacy. But there's an intimacy that's going on that's saying, God, I want to connect with you. You're worthy, and I want an intimate connection here. And I believe this, when we're worshiping and when we're praising, when we're doing this, and again, I understand worship is more, important, more involved than just our singing, but in this moment, it's praise and worship. When we're worshiping, I do believe that we are pleasing God. I believe that we're pleasing God because the Bible is very clear that God wants us to worship him. And if you, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 4, and I'm going to read one verse there. So if you don't have it, we'll put it up on the screen in just a minute. But I want to explain this. Uh, Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman. Jesus was Jewish. She was Samaritan. Samaritans and Jewish people didn't really get along, okay? But Jesus is talking to her, and uh, they're having a, a worship debate. How many know you don't want to debate Jesus, okay? How many know that? Okay, but this lady's debating, and she's saying, you know, we say as Samaritans that we're supposed to worship God on this mountain in this way, and this is the only approved way. And she's saying, you Jewish people, you believe that you're supposed to worship God this way, and we believe we're right, and you believe you're right, who's right? So in John chapter 4, verse 23, it says this, Jesus is speaking, he says, yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And he's saying there's, it's, it's not about what mountain you're on. It's not about who's right here in this deal. He's saying, hey, it's about worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And God wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And he really gives us the key to worship. He's saying our heart, our spirit, it should be pouring out to God. It should not be, if you will, it shouldn't be form and tradition. When we're in worship, when we're singing our praise, it shouldn't just be like, you know, all right, we're getting through this, we're doing it, here's a song, we get through that. It's not form and tradition. He's saying he wants your spirit to connect with God. He wants you to pour out of your heart and out of your spirit. And the truth that you understand from God's word and the truth that's revealed there, he's saying, I want you to just have your spirit connect with me during this worship. That's what he's wanting. God is actually offended at half-hearted worship. He's very offended. 
Matter of fact, in Matthew 15, 8, it says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And he's saying it, 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 it doesn't excite me when you just go through the motions and mail it in. When we're here in praise and worship, he's saying, I want you to connect your heart to be open. I want spirit and truth. I don't want it to be formalism and tradition. I want it to flow from a heart of love. And it should be a spontaneous spillover. How many know the things that you love, you just have like a spontaneous spillover from your heart? You just almost can't, you, you almost can't keep quiet about the things you love or the things that you adore or the things that you value. There's just something within us when there's something amazing that we have to talk about it. Let me illustrate it to you. We were walking through Yellowstone uh, National Park. We were with the family and we were going to, um, looking for a canyon. And uh, I can remember thinking, I wonder how great this canyon view is going to be, but we're anticipating, you know, seeing a great view. And we get to this canyon, and when we get to the edge of the canyon and actually see it, for a moment there, we can't say anything because it's so amazing. And then it's so amazing, it's just spontaneous. Nobody told everybody to say this, but we're like, can you believe that? Look at that view. That is amazing. And everybody's like, I know. It's a, that's amazing. That's a, that was worth the hike. That's amazing. And you have to talk about it. And then on the way back, what are you doing? You're like, that was amazing. We should go back and look again. I mean, that was amazing. It was, and you couldn't even help it, okay? Things that you love, things that you appreciate, things that you adore, things that you think have worth, spontaneous expression just comes out of your heart. How many know that, you know, a parent with a new child, you know, they're like, they, they adore and they love their child. They're like, aren't they beautiful? I mean, they're just amazing. I look at them. I just think they're amazing. I mean, nobody told them to say that. And sometimes you're like, um, they're beautiful to you. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. But, you know, beautiful in the eyes of the beholder, you know. But it's just spontaneous because you adore. You adore them. And so it just pours out of you. And there's almost something within us, I think, that completes the joy of how great God is in our life when we're able to sing, when we're able to praise, when we're able to worship. It's almost like the fulfillment and joy of God doesn't even reach all the way until you're able to express it. Really. And you're able to express it. And you're just like, I love you. I love you. And you're singing your praise. And all of a sudden, it goes to another level. Now, I'm going to look at uh, seven words in Psalms. So if you have your Bibles, you're going to just turn to Psalms. We're going to go to Psalm 64, and we're going to go there and look at seven different words in Psalms. And each one of these words is going to help us, I believe, understand praise and worship a little bit better. They're Hebrew words because the Bible in the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language. And so I'm going to say the words. I don't expect you to memorize them or anything. Some of them are going to sound a little weird. But I'm going to say the word because here's the deal. In a lot of our Bibles, we just put the word praise in. And it just says praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise, praise. And it's, we just think it's the same word, okay? So I want to read these words for you and help you to understand these words and read the scriptures where they're at. And hopefully that'll help you to understand praise and worship in a greater way and you'll be able to enter in into worship better, all right? So the first word is the word yada, all right? And this word means to extend the hand and it basically means to lift your hands, all right? In Psalm 63, 4, it says, I will praise you 
as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. And it's saying, I will praise you. I will lift up my hands. And then he says it again. As long as I live, I will lift up my hands. All right? This means really like in a victory way that we're saying, I will praise you. I will praise you, and I will lift up my hands in a victory way. What do we do sometimes for victory? Victory, you know, victory. You know, we do that. We raise our hands. Victory, you'll see the victors after a goal or after different things. They, victory, they raise their hands, and they do that. In praise and worship, in doing this, this word yada that the psalmist gives us insight is saying to lift our hands in a victorious way. And sometimes you'll see some of us praising and worshiping God with our hands up high and we're excited about it and we're praising the Lord and we're excited about it. And that's one way that we can worship the Lord. But there's another word that's connected to this one, very similar in meaning, but it's the word tauda. And this is the extension of the hand in adoration. In Psalms 50, verse 14, it says, Offer unto God praise and pay thy vows to the Most High. And the word there is meaning to lift your hands in a form of adoration. That's different than like, yes, yes. It's more of a praise like this. And it's a praise and worship that says, I adore you and I want to be close to you. And I know some of us come from backgrounds where we don't raise hands. And how many, come on, honestly, isn't that one of the things usually in the church service like this, that when you see it, you're kind of like, okay, what are they doing? That guy's got a question. Talk to him. You know, you know, just hand up. I don't know what he's doing. You know, right? But it's a way of saying intimacy. I want to adore you, Lord. I want to be near you. And if you can picture this with this word, picture a little child reaching up to their dad or mom and saying, I want to be near you. I want to be near you. Down by the feet, no good. I want to be by your face. I want to be near you. I want to look in your eyes. I want to adore you. I want to be intimate. I want to be close to you. And I know that's a challenge for a lot of us. I know that's a challenge. I know maybe our heart feels that way, but our practical conservative nature just is like, man, I'm having a hard time with that hand-lifting thing. Start with one hand. You know? Get one hand up and then be like, you know, (laughs) work your way to two. It's okay. It's okay. I'm just telling you something. There's an intimacy when you lift your hands to the Lord. When you raise your hands to the Lord and you worship Him that way, there's an intimacy and there's a level of praise and worship that you go to that you don't when you keep your hands down. And how do I know? Because it's such a battle to lift them up for the first time, right? I mean, the first time you're doing it, you're just like, oh, no doubt. Oh, you know, you're like, does this count, Lord? They're here. You know, they're right here. That's got to count for something. You know, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Let it just pour out of your heart. All right, third word, halal. Halal. And this is the word that we get hallelujah from. It means to be clear, to shine, to boast, to rave, to celebrate. Psalms 113.1 says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you servants. Praise the name of the Lord. It means halal. It means hallelujah. It means there's something good going on. I'm excited about it. I have joy. And how many know that you really can't say the word hallelujah kind of in a depressed way? You can't be like, hallelujah. You know what I mean? It just doesn't fit, right? It doesn't fit. There's two words that I've thought of that don't fit with depression. Joy and hallelujah. You can't go, joy. You know what I mean? You can't do that. And hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, it just doesn't work. 
When you say hallelujah, it's all right, it's good, it's okay, and you're excited, and that's part of praise. And the psalmist is saying, you know, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, you his servants, praise the name of the Lord, and we can have joy when we praise the Lord. It's a good thing, it's a good thing. Now, if that word made you uncomfortable, this one really will. It's shabak, all right? It means to address in a loud tone, to command, to triumph, to glory, to shout. Three people like that one, yeah. At our campuses, I'm sure there is a much better response. All right, all right. But how many know that heaven won't be quiet? Okay, and why is it that culturally we're kind of like, shh, God's here. Right? Have you ever heard people say, God's here, let's get louder, come on, you know? But it's a word there to address in a loud tone, to command, to triumph, to glory, to shout. We can do that. Psalms 145, verse 4 says, One generation shall praise thy works to another and declare your mighty acts. That word praise is shabak. It means they're going to shout it. They're going to shout it out. They're not going to be quiet. They're going to express their praise verbally and vocally and being able to lift it up. Now, let's do it at the right time. I mean, in a real intimate time of worship and it's a little softer. Don't be like, hallelujah. You know what I mean? Like, don't do that, all right? Let's, let's, let's use common sense here. But it's okay during that exuberant time of praise and worship to shout our praise to God and be excited about it. Let's do that. Another word, Barak, and not like our president. It's a different word, B-A-R-A-K, all right. Barak, but it sounds similar. It means to kneel down, to bless God as an act of adoration. And I am all for kneeling. And I just can tell you, some of the things people say like, well, how come we don't kneel that much at church? Okay, first of all, we are really on a space crunch in all of our campuses. We're growing and we have space crunch. So we have our aisles as close as we can. And some of you are like, yeah, they're way too close. And, uh, you know, we're trying to do that. And it's hard to get up and down and kneel. But I'm telling you what, I kneel at home. I kneel. I've knelt in worship. There's been times where after the service, I'll come and kneel down in the front and the worship team will be playing. It's extremely appropriate to kneel and churches that do that that's wonderful and ours is not that we're opposed to it's just space uh, constrictions that cause us to not be able to kneel that much but I still think it's a very biblical way to kneel before the Lord Psalm 95 verse 6 says oh come let us worship and bow down let us kneel and that word is Barak before the Lord our maker it's a way to praise and worship God and to kneel before him and it's kind of interesting of all the things that we do, there's similarities, you know. I may, you know, do touchdown after a touchdown scored. I may yell loud for other things that I'm excited about. But how many know the only thing in the world that gets me to kneel is worship? It's the only thing really gets me down there is to kneel and to worship. So it's a way to worship God, and I hope that we'll apply this to our life. Another thing, uh, sixth word that's in the Psalms that is a way of praising and worshiping the Lord, uh, Zamar. And it means to touch the strings, to play an instrument of music, all right? Psalm 150, verse 3, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet, praise him with the harp and lyre. It's just saying, it's saying, do this with instruments. And can we just do this all across all of our campuses? Can we just show our appreciation for our praise and worship teams that play so well? Can we do that? They are amazing. Yeah. They really are. They really are. And I thank them for their dedication. And our worship teams will play all the services on a weekend, whether it's four or two. 
um, and they're, they're so good. Uh, sometimes I get invited to other praise and worship nights in the Twin Cities. They're like, hey, you should come to our praise and worship night. And I'm like, man, our praise and worship teams are so good. I mean, we get it almost every weekend. I just thank the Lord that they will praise and worship the Lord by using their gifts and talents to play the instruments and to do that. Psalm 150, it's talking about that, playing the instruments, and we are all for the instruments, all right? And just in case you're wondering, if you play an instrument and you wanted to bring it with you to church and play it, you have to be part of the band, okay? You have to come to rehearsal, you know, no rogue tambourines out there and trumpets and all that going on, all right? You got to bring, got to be part of the band, I can just see all our worship teams going, thank you, Pastor Rob. We'll have all these tambourines coming in. All right. Anyways, but we, we love the instruments. Last word. This word is tehillah, and it means to sing, to laud. It means to sing. It means to just go ahead and let your praise be out there. And it says, God is enthroned or inhabits the praises of Israel. It says, rejoice, O Lord, oh, right. rejoice in the Lord and, and praise him. And it means to have our words come out and sing them to the Lord. It's good. It's really good. And some people say, well, Pastor Rob, I don't sound that good. I'm a little intimidated by this. I'm a little intimidated because I don't sound that good. Can I just tell you this? God doesn't care. He has auto-tune in heaven. Okay? He's good. You sound amazing in heaven. Matter of fact, the true story, this one pastor that I, I've met and talked to him a couple times, he's a terrible singer, terrible singer. And he was praying one day and he said, Lord, why am I such a terrible singer? And I love to praise you so much. I'm such a terrible singer. And the Lord said, that's so I can pick you out of the crowd. You know, so <laughs> the Lord can hear you and he auto-tunes it and it's good. And it's good for us to sing and worship the Lord. It's okay, it's good, and these are ways that we can praise them, and they're just scratching the surface, but I feel that God wants us to just say, we want to worship you, we want to praise you, we want to be more in love with you, you're worthy, we worship you, we adore you, you have value in our life, and we're going to be here, and if I could say this, let's get here on time, let's get here early, I know that it's only an hour or an hour and five minute service, I mean, Let's get here on time. And if I could, could we be pre-worshiping before the worship starts? You know, could we like get in a mindset that says we're going to start listening to worship in the car on the way here and we're going to start focusing and when we get in, we're going to be ready and we're going to help lead this to another level of intimacy and praise and worship with our Lord. I'm going to ask that the worship teams would get ready at all of our campuses and here as well, that we'll get ready. And I have one last thing that I want to point out. I've looked at the Psalms here, and as I was studying the Psalms, um, it just stood out to me a couple things. And I want to, if you can grab this with me, grab this thought, okay? The psalmist writes in Psalm 8410, he says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And the psalmist has a hunger for worship. He has a hunger for praise that is just so strong. And then in Psalm 42, 1, he says, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. There's just a hunger. There's a desire to be in God's presence to praise. There's this strong, overwhelming desire to be there. Okay, now follow me on this. The psalmist didn't know what Jesus was going to do on the cross. And yet he's just madly in love with God, wanting to worship him. 
The psalmist didn't have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit yet. And yet he's madly in love with God. And you can just see this hunger to worship God. And I just think that I was convicted as I look at all these psalms and I look at just the intensity that the psalmist is writing about. I want to praise you. I want to worship you. I want to shout. I want to clap. I want to lift my hands. And I'm looking at this intensity and this hunger there and I'm realizing, do I have that same intensity and I have the advantage of knowing what Jesus did for me? I have the advantage of having the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on my life. I feel the presence of God in praise and worship. My hunger needs to go to another level. My praise needs to go to another level. I think our praise and our worship needs to go to another level. I think if the psalmist were here today, he'd be, guys, do you know how good you have it? Do you know how good you have it? Do you know how amazing it is to worship the Lord like you are able to do that and to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in your worship? And I'm just challenged, if, if the psalmist was that in love with God and wanted to worship God that much, how much more should those of us that know what Jesus did, that have the Holy Spirit moving in our lives and experience the presence of God, how much more should we be better praisers and worshipers? And I'm asking our church to take it to another level and another level. Let's be more intimate with God. Let's be more excited about God. Let's sing our praise. Let's shout our praise. Let's raise our hands and let's stretch ourselves to say, God, we will be praisers and we will be worshipers. Let's be praisers and let's be worshipers.